0: Welcome to Power of X Men Apocalypse, the podcast where we review every single issue of the classic crossover Hi, Fuck! I forgot our fucking intro. Enter now the age of apocalypse, Shiva, with your hosts, Dayspring and Scott Free.
1: The name's Cable. Remember it. And the only people who can stop apocalypse are the mutants known as Dayspring, Scott Free,
0: and Michelle. This is Captain America. And we need to defeat
1: Apocalypse.
0: I'm the body Moira didn't want to hijack because it was too
2: full of alcohol. Dayspring! And I'm one of three people to have bottom for Juggernaut and survived Mr. Scott free
0: <laughs> black Tom Cassidy being the other one. The other one
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, it's bad when like murder Moira phalanx is just like, no, I don't want that. That's bad.
0: I mean, it's horrible when she doesn't want to hijack your body, but then she'll hijack the body of Mary Jane Watson. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, unlike you, Mary Jane has an invitation to the Hellfire Gala. So. <laughs> Fuck you, you!
0: I love how now anyone in the Marvel Universe can be invited. Fucking, like, Mary Jane Watson's going. But that's in reference to, obviously, the Free Comic Book Day issue, which came out this past weekend. And holy shit, so much happened on it.
2: Yeah, Apparently, Moira is just going, you know, we already saw her steal Banshee's skin, and she's keeping with the whole sort of like Buffalo Bill thing she's got got going, and might be skinning Mary Jane Watson. Can I, can I ask you something?
0: Yes. You know, I grew up in Florida. You know, I'm very yes. stupid. There's a lot of holes in my education. I don't get the Buffalo Bill reference.
2: Oh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's, I've never that's... seen Silence of the Lambs. Oh, well like like the the serial killer who Clarice the, the FBI agent is hunting with Hannibal Lecter's help called Buffalo Bill and he kidnaps people and is taking their skin to make a suit. And it's just like yeah, Moira's Moira's just embracing that that whole life. And you know, I mean it's a choice. <laughs> well,
0: okay. I have such complicated feels about Moira and her like being a villain all of a sudden. It's a twist I didn't really want, but I am here for that twist that she's going to be wearing Mary Jane to the Hellfire Gala. Although, I don't know, are we led to believe she's going to Buffalo Bill, Mary Jane, like actually take off her skin and put it on like she
2: did to Banshee? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Peter Parker... Peter Parker gets a bad rap sometimes with his ability to handle like women. I feel like Peter would notice uh, if, like, Mary Jane has like, you know, no skin or, (laughs) um, you know, suddenly has a robotic Scottish accent. And, uh...
0: (laughs) okay. Okay. First of all, though, on the flip side, though, Mary Jane would not notice if. Peter Parker wasn't himself because we saw in the beyond story arc that when Ben Riley called to say that Peter was in the hospital, Felicia knew it wasn't him. Aunt May knew it wasn't him, but Mary Jane walks in and she's here like, Oh, Peter called me. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like they're trying to show that Mary Jane is just not in tune with Peter. And I don't know what's happening. I saw somewhere that she has kids now. She's had kids. I don't know where they would have come from. I don't know if this is an original sin story being retold again. I thought we retcon that. I thought we as a collective like community decided that retroactively giving any spider character kids was a bad idea. And yet here yeah. we are again.
2: Yeah. It's, it's actually really kind of fucked up that out of like all the people in the spider orbit, like venom is probably the best father. And it's like, you really got to just like reevaluate some things in your line where, like, Eddie Brock has like kids and he's like competent. And it's just like, does Peter Parker have kids? No, does Mary Jane? Eh, maybe. Maybe.
0: I haven't read the story yet. So I'm just talking out of my ass, but I, I'll eventually get to it. But the thing about Mary Jane that I really did like about this issue, and this is something I've complained about in the hox pox era. It's like, well, wow, mutants have these drugs that are life-changing for humans and no one's actually touched base on it. And this is the first time that they have shown the benefits of the drugs in the market. And the seeds were planted in 10 deaths and 10 lives of Wolverine that Moira did go to the hospital when she was diagnosed with cancer. And Dr. Foster was just like, Oh, Krakoan drugs, blah, blah, blah. But Mary Jane and her aunt, Anna, are ambassadors for Krakoa Pharmacy, and we found out that Anna has had dementia, and that really hit close home to me, obviously, everything going on with my mom, and she can take this pill once a day, and it, you know, cures her of her mind ailments, so I thought that was wonderful. I thought that was really great world building, and then at the end, Moira's like, oh, I saw you on TV, and- Is going to wear Mary Jane now to the Hellfire Gala, however that may be.
2: Yeah, Mary Jane's on that, like, failed actress to pharmaceutical rep pipeline. I was going to say something about goop, but, like, I do not want Gwyneth Paltrow's lawyers after me. So, no, no, uh, no goop stuff. Bitch, I am a huge goop fan. Have we not talked about this? I feel like we have, but I feel like we always have to cut it. (laughs) I
0: I will die on this hill. Two things I'm going to die on in this episode. Gwyneth Paltrow, goop. And the weather in Age of Apocalypse. I am gonna die on these hills.
2: <laughs> Got it. No, it, it's it's like it's interesting. I've been rereading um, a lot of like classic New Mutants, like the earliest New Mutant stuff, and it's a real mind trip to get like Moira, who is in the original New Mutant stuff, particularly with like Wolfsbane. and she's just like, oh, ah, classy. Uh, no, no, and then. To go from that Moira McTaggart to I'm going to cut your fucking skin off and then kind of, you know, go to the Hellfire Gala to kill Charles and Eric. That's a big, big change.
0: It's a journey. The character has had such a huge journey. And listen, it's been a minute since I've read Inferno, so I have to reread everything again. Did it need to be this Awful like couldn't she just be like hey guys I've lived like 10 lives before mutants always lose what can we do differently in this lifetime I'm kind of jaded it just seems that the X-Men lack communication in everything they do a simple like sit down and talk I don't know why she has to be a murderous robot now that wants to obliterate Krakoa and and have to kill poor Mary Jane although listen again Mary Jane after the Beyond story. I'm just like, mm, maybe, maybe, maybe we can redefine the character. I don't think they're going to kill her. That that would be horrible if they did that to her.
2: Yeah, like, well, I mean, with, like, Moira, it, it does play into, like, the whole angle of, like, arrogance that both Charles and Eric had with regards to Kurkoa, but also Moira, where she thought, like, she could get away with, you know, all these things and staying hidden and everything just sort of unravels and now she's kind of gone off the deep end.
0: Listen, I have complicated feels on it, but one thing that they have been showing that I'm really excited about is that Spider-Man stories are going to play a closer role with X stories. So we not only have the Mary Jane situation with Moira, but we also got a tease that, Madeline and Ben Riley will meet at the Hellfire Gala. I'm assuming the Hellfire Gala because they're all dressed up really nicely and they're they're talking and they are going to join forces in Dark Web. And I actually got a scoop on that. So I knew that was coming. And I was really excited when Marvel officially announced that because Madeline Pryor and Ben Riley, that's sort of like a ship. I didn't know I wanted, but like I'm kind of okay with right now. I'm curious what you feel because
2: you have you've done Ben Riley before, right? I have, and I'm I'm a big Ben Riley fan. Um I am too. It, to me it's it's kind of like they they had a storyline a couple of years ago where he was the antagonist and he was like basically the new Jackal and he was cloning people and yep. it finally seemed like Was that they,
0: um Dead No More? That was Dead No More, right?
2: Yeah. And he's, he's got all the, the clones and everything. And it seems that after that, like they'd sort of return to the heroic Ben Riley. And now they just really don't know what to do with him and are kind of going back to like the villain sort of angle.
0: Well, I feel like they're doing that with Madeline as well. Because here's the thing like, I feel like traditionally people don't know what to do with a clone right? And they kind of see the clones as like dupes or being redundant. And I'm like, no, Madeline has such a wonderful, rich history that people really empathize with. So why not tell a really compelling, good story? No one wanted Madeline to come back in Hellions, be dressed with that under boob, you know, costume to be killed and then resurrected just to like do something evil, right? People want Madeline to reach her full potential they want her to be a bit more fleshed out and i think the same with ben riley i think when we were covering the beyond stories over at masters of comic books i was really excited to see him step up and be a hero i let's say i didn't want peter to be off the off the grid like how they did with superior spider-man but am i okay with having like Four different Spider-Man in the universe. We have Miles Morales, Peter Parker, Ben Riley. Spider-Gwen is technically Ghost Spider now, but you understand what I'm trying to say here. Like, for whatever reason, like that Spider-Verse angle works really well with Spider-Man. I just think it's lean into that with Ben Riley. Don't make him an evil clone that's teaming up with another evil clone, even though I do love it, though. So, (laughs) those are my complicated feels for it.
2: And then you have like the others, the Scarlet Spider, Kane parker and like there's there's a lot of clones like like spider-man was clones the x-men have time travel and alternate realities and like just just lean in on it
0: i mean onan tell like a really good story i don't know that's part of the reason why I don't really love covering the modern books right now because I think I'm too close to them to, I mean, as they're happening. And I think these stories do deserve to play out a bit. I forgot who was I talking about this with? I was talking about this with someone, but you know, I can look back. Oh, it was, it was Namor cosplay because folks at home, we are going to be covering judgment day here on power of X-Men and we were, I was kind of like saying something to the effect of like, oh man, like in humans versus X-Men, that is such like a bullshit story and I hated it. But then I also used the example of 2010's epic crossover, which was Avengers versus X-Men. And I think Avengers versus X-Men is not a good story. I I just don't think it's well-written. I don't think the, the story particularly makes sense. However, objectively, I can say The story has aged well with fans and when that happens in the mcu people are going to be excited for it just like house of m house of m that summer when it came out 2005 house of m was bullshit no one liked house of m the pacing was terrible you have like three issues where they're just in route to genosha talking nonstop, and now everyone's excited for house of m now that back issue those, those trades are worth so much on the secondary market so that's sort of what I want to try to take the step back. I want to remove my subjectivity from being a very toxic, crazy ex and and see how these stories play out. But I'm not feeling some of those stories right now. But, anyways, I You're like you, yeah. dumb bitch. <laughs> like I've worked, I've been working all day, and here you are ranting about Wanda.
2: Well, I mean, yeah, part of why like House of M's like hard to get is uh, because of, of of Wanda and everybody. Expecting her to do a full like House of M, even though the mutants haven't been introduced yet. Yeah, I but love yeah. how
0: people think that like House of M is just gonna happen and Wanda, like they're just gonna introduce the X-Men and then in the next movie Wanda's gonna be like no more mutants. But Sorry, that... I lied to everyone on this podcast right now. The House of M trade paperback is 1996 on eBay. $15. Uh... So it's not that expensive. $12.99. <laughs> well, do it. I have House of M? Yes, get it. I do i have house of them right there
2: you know i i enjoy the current ongoings i mean i read obviously all the x books venom ghost rider a lot of fun moon knight but it's like i i get what you mean by like having to take sort of like a step back sometimes just because it is too
0: you need to give stories distance you need yeah. to let them marinate again. I don't think I don't think AVX was particularly well done. I still stand by that. I don't. I don't. Did we read it for book club? We may have read it for book club and I don't yeah. remember, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. It's it, it, it gets people excited. And there was something there. All right. Well, we are recording today for the second time X-Men Alpha <laughs> Because someone may have been in Vancouver and their laptop may have been destroyed. Yeah, I'm sorry. We had to record our episode on x Alpha again because
2: I'm such an idiot. Well, many years from now, we can recover the episode and release it as, like, a famous lost episode. And <laughs> then we'll, uh, no, I mean, look, look, shit, shit happens. We'll, we'll get this one out there. We'll back it up before we destroy <laughs> yet another laptop. It's so
0: funny. Everyone's like, oh, you're backing everything up. You're backing everything up. I'm like, yeah, 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 I am. I haven't backed up anything. And we have like four episodes. But no, yeah, we'll probably have three more laptops. But yeah, those are our upcoming episodes. But we have X-Men Alpha issue one. Well, it's just one. It's a one shot. And this is the official kickoff of Age of Apocalypse. And I really want to repeat my excitement for that initial recording we did because I had like nine pages of notes. And, um, I have no nine pages of notes right now, but I do have lots of thoughts on the weather and
2: age of apocalypse. I do remember that being a substantial part of the previous (laughs) episode. So I'm here for it, but you know, it, it, like you said, this is the, after, you know, we did Legion quest and we did Legion quest for a little bit is it is a pretty substantial story, but this is it. This is the actual kickoff of the age of apocalypse.
0: Yeah. And I think it was really important that we went through Legion Quest because one, I I don't think I've read Legion Quest in its entirety. I mean, yes, I've read those four issues before, but like, I think I said this, I don't remember what I said, but what I, what I remember thinking was like issue one of Legion Quest just already starts in the middle of something. And there was this famous like fan song written to the Tune of REM's "End of the World." It's the end of the world, and it kicks off like saying it's great. It starts with mystique, you know. Destiny's not afraid, and I never understood that part of the song. I'm like, oh, they're just talking about Excalibur, but no, it's actually because Legion has visions of destiny well in advance to Legion Quest. So it is a huge, substantial read, and it was a lot of fun. But I am so glad we are finally here, Alpha. I I have so many feels. Even rereading the issue for today, do you want to just dive into it? <laughs> so it opens up with Bishop, and he's climbing through all of these dead, mangled bodies, and he comes face to face with Unis. That is that how you pronounce it? Uh,
2: yes, Unis the Untouchable. Unis the
0: Untouchable, <laughs> who obviously is a Hallmark X character, and. The X Men, then like the X Men proper show up to assist Bishop, who, by the way, is helping this little girl, this little random human girl. And long story short, the X Men, which consists of Magneto, Sabretooth, Wild Child, Blink, Nightcrawler, Iceman, Storm, Quicksilver, and Morph. Did I say Rogan there? Rogan, Magneto? If I didn't, uh, there we go. There you go. There you go. There you go. There you go. But, anyways, they all come in and they look fucking boss as hell in that fucking Roger Cruz art. It's just like, a, it's a really explosive intro.
2: I really, like it's, it's really explosive. The art is really dynamic. Like when you actually see the X-Men, like, yes, they're recognizable, but they're not like our X-Men. Bobby looks way more threatening. He's all jagged. Kurt has like armor. You know, everybody looks like different except for kind of Magneto, who has like middle-aged dad thing going on there. Also, I love it's the callback to like one of the earliest X-Men villains, Funus the Untouchable, who debuted in X-Men Volume One, issue eight. In 1964, so it's like this is yeah, kind of a, a hokey character, but he's he's got really like longevity. You could also tell it was a Stanley creation, Unis the Intelligible, and it's I I just I really love the opening. It's Seattle. It's post-apocalyptic. Everything's different.
0: I'm looking at a photo of Unis here. And he looks so much like you. Like, I feel like this is a cosplay you would do. Like, he's just like very trim, very fit. And he's walking in all like cocky and like bullets are flying to him. And you see, you're like, ha 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 ha. And I'm trying to drop in our chat, but it's not letting me. I listen. They're in Seattle. They're like Bishop is trying to climb over all these dead bodies. One thing from the Age of Apocalypse Ashcan can. Here, I just put it, that photo in the chat. One of the things from the Age of Apocalypse, Ashcan, was that originally Bishop's design was supposed to be indicative of him being in prison for 20 years following the events of Legion Quest. And his cybernetic eye is sort of like his parole officer being able to see through his eyes to make sure he's not getting into any trouble. And so he's yeah. released from prison and he's wandering this wasteland. That's a backstory we just don't get. Like, it's just not there. So we have to accept the design for what it is. But immediately, Bishop is just wandering this wasteland over these dead bodies. And this little girl is like running from Unis because they're doing the cullings, which they are killing. They're just slaughtering humans at a time that they're supposed to be the Kelly Pact, which I guess is a nod. I mean, I don't guess it is a nod to Senator Kelly. And making sure that humans don't get murdered. But no, they're fucking like murdering humans still. It's like a mass genocide of humanity. And the X-Men show up. They look so badass. I love what you said where they're still recognizable because they are. The one character I have strong feels about that I definitely want to touch base with is Bobby. Because Bobby played a significant role in the X-Books during Legion or the lead up to Legion Quest. Because Bobby was extremely insecure about what happened with Emma hijacking his body. We know now retroactively he's struggling with his sexuality as well. And he was just at a point in his life that he was really insecure. But in Age of Apocalypse, he's able to achieve that Emma level power when Emma possessed him on his own. Because as we find out later in this issue, Emma's lobotomized. So I thought that was such a great take on the character. I really did love that commentary that they were putting there.
2: Completely agree. <laughs> Sorry for that rant. No, uh, like I, I was just ranting about fucking Unis the Untouchable. That's, that's well, because good.
0: that's such a cosplay you would do. Did you see that picture?
2: I, I did. And if I was going to rob a bank, that is how I would rob a bank. Oh my God, <laughs> he is like, robbing
0: a bank. I didn't, that, my mind bank. did not go to robbing a bank. And I love how he's so like, essentially evil he's just robbing a bank
2: <laughs> oh yeah well it's, it's like i but i i love like the classic like Stanley and jack kirby stuff is it's like first of all the guy's name is like it's two u's like unus the untouchable like peter parker matt murdoch etc reed richards uh he's also got a ridiculous power just like nothing can touch him it's like okay well that's like the 60s i mean like you know, that's pretty simple, but also ridiculous. And I just love it.
0: I love, love it. how you just summed up the 60s. <laughs>
2: that's
0: ridiculous, but also useful.
2: <laughs> also, that that is, kids, if you learn anything from this podcast, it's that the 60s were ridiculous, but very important. Um, <laughs> I wish another, I
0: was
2: in the 60s. Another history lesson for you. Seattle was really important in the 90s. Because of Starbucks? <laughs> Uh yeah, Starbucks grunge. Oh, like, that's right, you know, grunge.
0: Yeah. Nirvana,
2: Alice in Chains, lots of plaid, Microsoft, all that sort of crap. So this is like also a city that at this point is like at the peak of the cultural sort of like zeitgeist and you just see it like ruined.
0: I love that. I didn't know that. Yes. It's like the hate ashbury of the 90s <laughs> to continue that yeah. 60s reference. Yeah. I that's that's really astute. I was wondering why they chose Seattle of all places, but yeah. And speaking of like being invincible, like Magneto here. I mean, like, I don't feel like this is off brand on Magneto. Like one of the minions of Unis's puts a gun towards his head. And Magneto is like not even breaking a sweat, which, you know, he has magnetism. So not not an issue. But I guess these are plastic bullets and Bobby steps in and stops it and Magneto's like yeah, and Quicksilver would have done it so I don't care. He is hard ass here. He has taken what happened with Xavier really badly these last 20 years. This is the first time we're seeing Magneto following the events of Legion Quest. And Bishop immediately recognizes him and blames him for Xavier's death. He was here like it's all twisted. Like Bishop can barely speak. He's here like Legion Killed Xavier, everything, and Magneto's like, oh, shit.
2: I, I also think, like, Bobby... Bobby just absolutely, brutally kills Una. Just, like, freezes him and, like, shatters him. And, like, again, that's, like, not something that we're used to from, like, our Iceman, who usually just, like, you know, cracks a lot of jokes and is very sort of, like, light. And, like, Bobby... I mean, Bobby here does... Crack a joke like these guys go to pieces too easy, and it's just like, oh, Bobby, you just killed a man. (laughs) Like,
0: I actually didn't realize he killed him until this moment. You're right, he really, I mean, he decapitates him. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that's not mistaken in the art. I don't know why it didn't register the 800 times I have read this issue, and now all I can see is Unis's like frozen head, like, freeze, like, damn, wow, man, that is that is brutal.
2: Welcome to the Age of Apocalypse, bitches.
0: (laughs) Okay, that is literally going in our intro. (laughs) You know, I love the OC. So then we cut to Dark Beast, the best version of Hank McCoy. And he's running experiments on the blob. And the blob is just like, nope, totally like fighting back. And our favorite Summer's brother, Alex, comes in and puts an end to it. And Cyclops, Big Brother Cyclops, has to help him out because Blob is like, fuck you, I'm gonna crush you bitches. And we get the Summers Brothers spatting, which, in in no matter what universe they find themselves in, they are always going to be at odds with each other.
2: Yeah. And they've got these like cool, like 90s, like headpiece things, like they look like telemarketers. It's great.
0: It's true, they do look like, well, I feel like I look like a telemarketer, too, with this. But I think in the 90s, specifically, they weren't doing podcasts. They were, they're were telemarketers in the age of Apocalypse. That's Cyclops' side hobby.
2: And then, of course, like, the big man, Sinister, shows up. And the scene is, again, like, really indicative of just how different things are. Because, like, Sinister is... Effectively Havok and Cyclops' father Like he's their father figure He's like telling them to like Behave and like get along And you know like I'm not always going to be here To like help you
0: It's really I mean listen I always felt like under the right circumstances Sinister could have been A really good parent (laughs) <laughs> to to Cyclops because he does care for him I'm not listen I'm not saying it's not a toxic unhealthy I'm going to clone you and your wife and try to get you to breed relationship here but there was always I mean I feel like that level of fascination with someone you have to have some care I, I like that in here and I think this was the nature versus nurture argument with the Summers brothers going into the age of apocalypse I like that Cyclops is still himself he's here like you were told to shut down this lab Hank, like the Kelly pact is in full swing. And of course, because it's dark beast and he gives no fucks and he's not a pretentious asshole. Like the six one six beast. He's here like, ha 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 ha. Yeah. I'm still going to murder humans. I'm going to still run my experiments and stuff like that. So, you know, I I really dug the scene. I thought it was really great. We, we, we are seeing that sinister is not aligned with Apocalypse in here. And this obviously is going to come into fruition later on in the issue, which is really interesting.
2: Sinister in any reality is going to be sinister. And he's got his own little little plots and side, side hustle kind of going on.
0: Well, he has this wonderful line here where he says, Ah, Scott, I've sheltered you too long. I have protected you for reasons you cannot guess. And now you must seek knowledge for the first time on your own. Farewell, son. That's not a bad. I'm sorry. Like I know it's sinister and I know sinister is a toxic motherfucker, but that's not bad advice. Telling his surrogate son to go off and seek knowledge on his own. I'm telling you sinister really cares for Cyclops. And I think this is just trying to analyze it through a different lens. Um. stand,
2: Please weigh in. <laughs> No, uh, I, he he is perversely a, a father figure in this setting. Probably one of the better father figures. Yeah, where's Daddy Corsair? Probably actually still in space.
0: The next scene, though, is of heaven. Is it heaven or haven? Heaven, it's heaven. heaven. So the next scene is heaven, which is Angels Nightclub, and the Sentinels fly past them. And Angel is like a toast. These machines that are from the human resistance cannot see us and we can have a fun time party. And everyone's like, how is he doing it? Is it genetic scramblers? Is it a force field? Please tell us. And he's here like, let's have Scarlet come and show us all a good time. Now, for the longest time, I always thought Scarlet was actually Scarlet Witch. I mean, that was something I, I thought growing up. Obviously, when I read X-Men Chronicles later on, I knew Scarlet Witch died before, you know, the Age of Apocalypse really kicked off. But she is actually a character from, and I haven't read this, from the Meltdown
2: mini. Have you read it? I have not. So this is a pretty obscure, like, 90s cut. But I think, like, she's associated with Havoc, right?
0: Yeah, which which is... spoilers for the Age of Apocalypse, Scarlet McKenzie is having an affair in this reality with Havoc. So it's a nod to that relationship. I I honestly, until I started doing the deep dive for this this reread that we're doing for the podcast, I would have thought Scarlet was just a one-off original character for the series.
2: To circle back briefly, Corsair is alive in the setting, but he's infected by the brood. Oh, so I not, love
0: that for him.
2: Not not a good fate really.
0: <laughs> yeah, Zaddy getting infected by the brute. Did you know Lawrence Bain also did the voice of Corsair for the X-Men
2: animated series? Yes. So he gets he gets Corsair, the grandfather, and then he gets Cable. His grandson from the future who's come to the past to save the past from the future
0: we asked him going into it folks at home we were like oh let's have him say something funny for Scott which is like Scott you're a true summer's brother Scott for your true summer's brothers welcome to welcome to the family and and Lawrence was like I don't remember that voice I can't do it but I'll do cable for you so we actually did have him record something for Michelle which is like Fuck baby Spalding, Michelle. The Phoenix force is actually stronger with you. But then I was like, I don't think you could say fucking cable's voice. So you're like, oh, you're
2: probably right.
0: Um, okay, uh, but karma's here too. Karma.
2: Yeah. Karma is here as um basically like his sort of like MC front door not front door but like sort of like running the place under i love that uh, warren warren's relatively unchanged obviously he's not archangel in this reality but you know he's, he's a businessman doing businessman stuff would you
0: cosplay as his age of apocalypse counterpart I don't know why um, I asked you that. But you know why I asked you that? Because when we first started talking, like becoming like hashtag VFFs, what was x Was Xcore coming out? Yes. And there's a scene where like, is it Jamie? Who's like really angry like this on the table and Warren is kind of flying up top. And you were like, I'm Warren and you're like angry Jamie. So now I always associate you with angel cosplay.
2: That's why I asked um, you that question. I've I've thought I've thought about doing um Angel. I've got some friends cosplay friends who already do Angel, old fashioned nerd and Sammy Rayner both do great Angels. Uh, I would actually probably do Archangel, just like like '90s over the top before like Age of Apocalypse Angel, but like not not high on my I would,
0: if I had to make the suggestion as your overbearing co-host, I would think that Rick Remenders, Archangel, that was like that would totally be your vibe if you were going to do Angel.
2: That is definitely in my uh, my thoughts. The murderous, um, duplicitous version
0: of Warren Worthington Warren, III, who ends, who the story ends as him being a clueless twink, <laughs> is where it ends.
2: That is how Warren's story begins and how his story ends. Um, He's a clueless wasp, and we love him for it. So
0: the best part of this scene is that then the Cajun, a.k.a. Gambit, comes in. And he's here, like, I'm trying to track down Xavier, and Warren, you're the one who sort of knows how to find him. And we now know that as we find out later on in the issue, Magneto has summoned him because he's gonna have a mission for Gambit and the Externals. And overseeing everything is... I, I thought it was Mikhail, but it's not. It's its Sebastian Shaw.
2: I, I think... I'm trying to remember. Shaw dead at this point. I... I don't remember if Shaw is dead or alive in Same. current X-Men co- X Men comics this time because he was gone for a little bit. Did we talk about him when
0: Betsy and Warren went to the Hellfire Club? Yeah, I don't know if he was dead or alive at this point in the books. I mean, quite frankly, who can keep track? But, yeah. but that's fine. I don't remember Shaw at all in Age of Apocalypse or The Reed. Again, I thought it was Mikhail. So, you know... There you go. He's there. And maybe he plays a significant part in the story. Maybe he doesn't. But what happens next is we flash to the Westchester mansion, which is Xavier's. And look at that. It's a very bright, sunny day. So hmm, I'm curious about the weather here in the age of Apocalypse, because we know at Windegore Mountain, Apocalypse and Magneto had a fight and it changed the polarization of the Earth axis. And cause the weather to shift. And that's why you have that red dystopian sky everywhere throughout the Age of Apocalypse. But here in Westchester, it looks really great. And it mentions here that it is shielded by an electronic magnetic cloaking thing, whatever. Does that make the weather around the mansion just look nicer?
2: I don't know. (laughs) I, it it could, it could just be a coloring error. (laughs) fair
0: fair yeah and also in the scene i guess there's a new character introduced that's supposed to be a big revelation here which is charles and it is rogue and magneto's son
2: yeah who he named after the love of his life charles xavier and if you want to get your your really deep x-men cuts that robot who they refer to as nanny is not the nanny that you're probably thinking of from Hellions and no, other X-Men sure, really? series. Yeah. No, it's it's a really obscure character from the late 70s, also called Nanny, that was took care of Magneto when he was turned into a baby because Claremont in the seven uh, no, that's actually pre Claremont. No, it is Claremont.
0: It is Claremont, uh, yeah. It's Claremont, in- yeah the 80s right that happens
2: x-men 112 1978
0: i would have guessed that was 10 years later i don't know why in my head canon that's like 88 but wow okay so that i trust your ability to
2: google that's that's a deep deep cut
0: um well i mean with unis
2: with unis We have
0: Unas there too. I mean, these are all deep cuts. Again, they're trying. I really do appreciate all the editorial effort that went into this. And okay, this next line, I try to get Lenore Zan to say when we had her on the podcast. And it's Rogue saying like the evening prayer to Charles to put him to sleep. And I love the lyrics, which is, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If the madry come before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And obviously the madry is Apocalypse's army, which are all Jamie Madrock's clones, which we saw in the Age of Apocalypse. Oh my God. What was it called? The chosen. chosen. The Chosen. The Chosen. And they were infiltrating the Apocalypse's citadel to read his diary. And Apocalypse was like, fuck you. You're no longer chosen. It's my hand that gives you that chosen. But um, yeah, we get a little backstory on Rogue and Magneto. And, you know, Rogue is really upset that she can't touch Charles. You know, that's really upsetting to her. Did we talk about this in an episode we recorded later on? That Rogue absorbed Polaris's power and yes. that's why she is able to touch Magneto and that's why they've been able to have relations and why she was able to give birth to a child for I mean, that at all I don't even remember Popo in the Age of Apocalypse uh, yeah no
2: Polaris is in um damn it which she's, she's oh Factor, character. X. Factor, Factor X, X yes X, yeah. wow uh, part, completely part
0: forgot she's right there on the cover
2: boom yeah Rogue, uh, Rogue fought her and permanently drained like half of her power. So Rogue, Rogue in this this reality does have like permanent Magneto style powers. To I, an
0: I love that she stole the powers of Magneto's daughter so they can like copulate.
2: Yeah, I mean it's 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 a choice. Um, That's such a '90s thing to do. I I don't think Polaris. I mean, obviously it was like really strongly hinted, but I don't think it was like definite at this point that she was Magneto's. No, Um, it was
0: only until Chuck Austin's (laughs) X-Men that that it was confirmed. Okay, so yeah, so we have that. And then obviously Magneto is believing everything that Bishop has been saying. And Rogue's like, how could you, you know? And Magneto's like, well, we're going to test this theory. We're going to use my powers and your ability to, you know, absorb memories to see if he's telling the truth, and, you know, obviously spoilers, he is telling the truth, and we get a couple like splashes of pages in between this unfolding, and it's Sinister meeting with his horsemen, which is um, Abyss, it's Holocaust, it's Mister Sinister, and. We find out that Sinister, again, is not Team Apocalypse because Holocaust is like, it's going to be great. We'll see who survives. How, worth, how amazing is this going to be that we're going to kill everyone, mutants as well. And whoever survives is truly the fittest to survive, that Darwinism mentality from Apocalypse. And Sinister has actually been secretly communicating with Wolverine and Jean Grey and provided them with some kind of... I don't know, like USB drive to give to Moira and the rest of the human council, which includes Captain Britain and Emma. And uh, yeah, they share a kiss and Jean's not feeling good about doing these shady things with Xavier, or excuse me,
2: sinister. It's it's a reflex to just be like shady <laughs> stuff and Xavier.
0: I was going to say that, yes.
2: No, another Another like... Okay, they call
0: it a data uh, rod. I'm sorry to interrupt you. They call it a data rod. Uh, USB. Data that's rod. How, that's how, that is how antiquated... This issue came out before USB drives.
2: Continue. Uh, we're just lucky it wasn't like a floppy disk. <laughs> uh, but Abyss is actually a character who was created for Age of Apocalypse, and then we get the 616 version later. Neil's, Neil Steigar, who's a... Uh, I think, yeah, he's called Abyss in, or Six One Six. He's shows up in Cable and a bunch of random sort of series. It's Nightcrawler's half brother because Azazel can't keep his demon penis in his pants. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's again, it's like uh, Holocaust or uh, now they call what Nemesis. All-cost nemesis now. yeah nemesis is um, like the name they
0: gave him retroactively because it's a problematic thing to call the character which it was problematic in 1995 when they were released the figures it's still problematic now so it's, i'm glad
2: that they're it's, it's problematic but it's it's the same it's the same sort of thing where it's like it was a character from the age of apocalypse later brought into the 616 and for like the gene and mover stuff again it's like You know, characters we're familiar with, but they're like different, you know, Wolverine with his, I mean, Wolverine's pretty much unchanged other than missing a hand. Which uh, we,
0: we won't get into, but it makes no sense. Like it makes sense. So he lost his hand fighting Cyclops. That's why Cyclops yes. lost his eye. So that's why he has his metal stub over his hand. Doesn't make sense. We'll see later on in Age of Apocalypse, he will literally be burned alive. And his healing factor is working just fine. Why didn't his hand grow back? I don't know. We can just say that Cyclops' blast was so strong, it took off the adamantium as well. I don't know. That doesn't even make sense saying it out loud. But if anyone at home knows why his hand did not grow back in the age of apocalypse, we are happy, happy to hear. And again, they could have solved this in story. Like, like Cyclops under sinister skies tried to inject him with something that would stop his healing factor. That's all they have to say. They wave, wave your editorial wand any, which way you want.
2: Um, yeah. And like, we, we also see, um, Moira, Bolvar-Trask, her husband, Emma, who lobotomized herself to remove the part of her brain that has psychic powers, and uh, Brian Braddock, who is not Captain Britain in this reality, apparently. It's a huge
0: twist here, and obviously everything we know with Moira... The, the debate is up we asked leo williams point blank does moira remember the age of apocalypse and she's here like i don't think anyone cares <laughs> or, or has thought about that so fair enough you know but I, I i wish with this current stuff happening with moira as we talked about it early on i wish like there would have been a little bit more plotting with it because i do know they explain her death in one of the timelines you know that it was a shiar or goem whatever I still don't know what that is. I wish we would have just seen a little bit more of what transpired, but it's fine. Like it's a retcon. It's for a great, great, great story. I can forgive it, but I like seeing Moira here. Obviously she's a huge ally to the X-Men in 616. She is, you know, very different in this reality. Emma again, lobotomized herself because apocalypse came for the psychics and Jean is one of the few active psychics. And that's part of the reason why the X-Men don't have a psychic because there are no psychics around. And that was the original theory for Betsy. Why Betsy was not in the age of Apocalypse was because she died early on because Apocalypse was coming after them. So, and we also know that like, and, and as we find out in the next issue, mutants with time traveling abilities have also been cut. I <laughs> Why is that cut? <laughs> Killed they've been murdered.
2: Yeah, also Mariko Mariko oh, Yoshida right. is there kind of in the uh the shadows as well. So you get you get kind of like a big uh you know group of of recognizable characters if you've like read any sort of X-Men.
0: Yeah, no, that is they're doing deep cuts here again. I really appreciate it. I don't think it's until you really pointed all of them out right now that I was like, wow, they are really like littering this with very deep cut obscure characters. But and we also get Gambit here as well, who finally finds his way to the mansion. And, you know, as we will talk about in the next issue, no one's happy to see Gambit there because <laughs> Magneto, Rogue and Gambit have a love triangle here. And it's complicated by the fact that they now have baby Charles, whose fate is so horrible in, you know, in the follow-up in Remender's X-Men. I mean, yeah. I we can't even can't even talk about it. Like the poor kid, like, sigh. But, you know, they they read Bishop's memories. And speaking of Magneto being aged in 78, that's one of the memories that we see. Why does Bishop have that memory? We will go with it. And you know, we see the 616 X-Men and Magneto realizes that this is the reality that needs to be. Rogue is kind of against it, but he's here like, no, we need to restore reality and I have a plan. And we see out in the cosmos, the Mkron crystal is coming to Earth because it is still crystallizing everything. It does not make sense to me why the Mkron crystal is still released in this reality. I mean, listen, I get it because the idea is that Charles never formed the X-Men. And because the X-Men were never formed, they never went into space. Gene never became Phoenix and the m crystal was never stopped. But this, the m crystal already decimated reality, already arrived to earth. So why is it doing it again here? Why isn't it just, it's supposed to transcend time and space. Why isn't everything just frozen? But sure, it's fine. The apocalypse is coming for them here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um sorry. <laughs> no, uh it, it is one of these things where it's like, oh yeah, why is that actually um happening? I guess it's will show that even though like reality's changed, like this problem from the 616 that you know swept over the world at the end of Legion Quest is still like happening.
0: But let this be I, a I, lesson that Jean Grey saves the universe always.
2: Anyway, I'm sorry I cut you off. <laughs> Well, I mean, as long as you're not, you know, broccoli people. Um, (laughs) Trillions. Trillions of broccoli people silenced. No, like, I I love, like, the spread of, like, Magneto's, like, shattered memories uh, that he's getting from Bishop. Like, you see him as a baby. You see him fighting soldiers, fighting the original X-Men, the Savage Land with Rogue. Uh, your boy Fabian Cortez gets an appearance there with the acolytes.
0: Lawrence also did the voice for Fabian Cortez. Sorry, I'm done. (laughs) I won't say anything anymore.
2: Poor, poor Fabian. Uh, Yeah,
0: Yeah, so Uh, I I mean, how he has, by the way, that panel of Rogue and Magneto in the Savage Land is paralleled later on at the end of the issue. Yeah, with everything we just discussed about them kind of talking about reality and having to set it right. It is. Right there as well, so you will see that homage on the Power of X Men feed because I love a good Easter
2: egg. And um, Magneto sends Nightcrawler off to find his mother, Mystique, and it's just like, you know, he, he Nightcrawler has a different relationship with Mystique in this um, reality. I
0: listen Gambit and the Externals, Excalibur. Or caliber of X, it's X caliber, right? X dash caliber. Yeah. I those are the two books I cannot wait to really start reading because I am I am a huge, huge, huge fan of those stories. So I'm ready to go in. I really am. Boom! Let's make it happen. We're doing it. I will talk about Jubilee originally meeting a Falcon in Gabit and the Externals when we cover it, but apparently. Mini made it was telling me there is a whole thing with that, so we'll get to that once we get there. But yeah, I mean, listen, I thought this issue was really great. It was a wonderful kickoff. I I'm excited. I really, I'm glad we got to record it a second time because I could appreciate it a lot more. And I promise next time I won't lose my or I won't destroy my laptop.
2: Don't don't make promises you can't keep. (laughs) Just like.
0: So by the time this episode airs, we have an an interview with Steve Orlando up on on the podcast. So go check that out. And we have Michelle, who's officially joined our our trio or excuse me, has officially joined the fam with Demanda. And obviously we have Demanda doing a read in this episode. So, folks, hang on. She's coming momentarily. And we have a lot of exciting stuff coming up down the pipeline. Do you have actually any exciting cosplays coming up?
2: No, but, um... <laughs> no, Scott, no, you have no.
0: one job on the internet. You have one job on the internet.
2: I've got, like, three things on the horizon. But you will just have to follow me to find out.
0: And where can folks at home follow you?
2: They can find me on both Instagram and Twitter, uh, at Mister Scott Free. I'm around. Give me your thoughts on, you know, comic books, nerd stuff, uh, the Scarlet Witch. Oh, yes,
0: please DM him thoughts about Dr. Strange too. His DMs are open for that. I love your Twitter game. I I wish I had your Twitter game because you're just so funny. Every time I read some of your tweets, I'm just like, oh, that's genuinely funny. Like not bad for a bitch with no talent. Wow. <laughs> so I, I, I you know, vibe.
2: Sorry, that's low-hanging
0: fruit. That's not even funny anymore. I I think I say that every episode. But no, seriously, your Twitter game is amazing.
2: The the key to Twitter is just like, you think, what would a crazy person say? (laughs) And then just put it out there into the world. And uh, that's how I live my life.
0: There was this tweet I saw earlier today. It was something like, this is the anniversary of the photo I posted showing my junk and Twitter telling me I was doing this for attention. And honestly, yes. Like something like that. And I was like, I appreciate that. That is next level meta-ness that,
2: mm, go for it. Just put it out there. Put it out in the world. And where can folks find you?
0: I'm at Power of X-Men on Instagram because every time I tweet... I lose people. So don't go on the Twitter. (laughs) Literally, I tweeted something once and like four people immediately hit unfollow. So I get it. So engage with us on Power of X-Men. And I think we were talking the other day. We want to bring back Book Club. I know so many of you DM me about Book Club all the time. Cole over at Masters of Comic Books wants to do a non-X-Men general comic book club. So that's going to be happening in June. And we have decided on our x-men book club scott and i and we'll announce that soon and we're hoping to have that in july but um i don't think anyone's gonna be disappointed that was really i didn't even know those trades were being reissued until you said something and that was a fabulous selection
2: if there's one thing i know it's trade
1: (laughs) and with that we will see you guys next week Hello again, Power of X-Men podcast. It's me, Demanda Martini, your favorite cosplaying drag queen, and I am here to give you another read from the Age of Apocalypse. Today's character is Rogue. Rogue's design in the Age of Apocalypse, I think, is so good. It's so sleek. The colors are a little wonky, but her hair is what really sells it. Short bob efficient for fighting, efficient for flying, all the white up front. Just an A-plus design. I also love that she takes on a more leadership role with the X-Men in the Age of Apocalypse. However, girl, just because he can touch you doesn't mean that you should just allow him to touch you. Batman is old, you absorbed his daughter. I don't think that was a good choice, but, you know. When the world's about to end, I guess you just, Get whatever you can get. Thank you again for joining me. This is Demand Martini for Power of X-Men Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed.
0: Well, thanks, sugar. The Age of Apocalypse is now over, and we'll see you next time. The Age of Apocalypse is over. For now.